A few years back, a wonderful Buddhist teacher, Pamela Weiss, shared a lesson from the Zen lineage that weaves into her mentorship and practice. She cited a koan, which is a teaching story or riddle, something like a parable, about a monk who sits faithfully at the side of a dying teacher, holding vigil in the great Roshi's final hours. Tell me, the monk whispered, knowing their wise teacher was in the final moments of life. What is the learning of your entire lifetime? The elder paused for a moment, slowly breathing. Their answer came in only three words. An appropriate response. This koan has been repeated in Zen teaching since the ninth century. Like much in Buddhism, it is both neuroscientifically valid and highly applicable today. And it ties into the theme of presence, which for me, thanks to the teachings of a lifetime, or at least so far, is the key to practicing the balance and non-reactivity that shapes a mentally healthy life. But what is presence, and how can we practice it? Let's explore, well, an appropriate response. Simply put, in any moment, we can either react or respond. These two options, of course, span a spectrum of possibilities, although there's a lot more range and nuance in the respond than in the react. Think of react as the fast, maybe even the fastest, possible thought or action that arises in any situation. A conversation, a question, an interaction or an event. Really, pretty much anything. Reaction is about the first thing that comes to mind, the first impulse to say or do or enact something. It's thinking fast, to borrow from Daniel Kahneman, author of the highly influential book, Thinking Fast and Slow, and who shows in page after page of this hefty tome how fast thinking is less reliable and accurate than slower thinking. Although Kahneman's book is about economics, specifically behavioral economics, it is, in a way, also about the brain. The book divides thought into two categories, System 1 and System 2. Here's how one review describes them. System 1 is fast, instinctive, and emotional. System 2 is slower, deliberative, and more logical. As impressed as I am with all this book reveals, I humbly suggest that that is too simple an explanation. System 1 is indeed fast and can be emotional. If by emotional you mean protective of survival, identity, opinion, ego, stuff like that, or even about alignment with people or situations we prioritize in our lives. System 1 can also be about deeply conditioned routine thought. The type of thought the brain hardwires so it can think without thinking, like it does with stuff we memorize, facts or patterns we can call on instantly, and even the shortcuts the brain ingrains in our early lives and sometimes later, 
that fall into the category of biases or assumptions. I've shared a map of common cognitive biases on the episode page at www.thebrainandbeyond.com slash episodes slash 15. It's fascinating to see how much we and, well, our brains rely on these shortcut scripts called bias to shape our experience of the world. System one thinking is largely the domain of the left hemisphere. The hemisphere, as explored in episode nine, that A, specializes in linear outcome-oriented thought, B, often overrides the big-picture view of the right hemisphere and the, on the other hand, considerations of that prefrontal cortex, and C, generates answers, actions, or other reactions that the larger, more balanced, integrated brain tends to question or doubt within approximately 2.3 seconds. Map system one thinking to the fast, Fact-based answers our educational system often rewards, and to our culture's ever-rising emphasis on fast, right or wrong, and outcome orientation, and maybe check in with how this aligns with your sense of the word react. Add in the fact that stress, unaddressed individual or collective trauma, and things like, oh, concern about the future, increase the triggerability of the emotions driving system one thinking. Not all emotions drive system one thinking, yet many do. Even Kahneman, who won a Nobel Prize for the research behind this book, says this about system one. System one is radically insensitive to both the quality and the quantity of the information that gives rise to impressions. That wasn't actually Dr. Kahneman's voice, though. Thank you, speech generator. Now, system two. Those thought ways defined as slower more deliberative, and more logical. This description might need some System 2 reevaluation. Slower? Yes, absolutely. More deliberative? Check. More logical? Maybe. Although that fast left hemisphere is amazing at certain types of logic. Simple, linear logic. If we replace the word logic with more intelligent, or more balanced, or more likely to be a better thought or action, I'd A, go with that definition wholeheartedly, and B, say we have a great description of response. How does System 2 thinking work, and how can we turn it on more reliably? Remember that fast thinking tends to originate in the left hemisphere, which is associated with both dopamine rewards and amygdala-driven emotions. Left to itself, and in the modern world, that left is often left to itself. That first fast reaction is the one your brain will come up with and often think it was right, even when it was wrong. Slower, system two thinking involves an override of that amygdala or the dopamine surge. With other emotional drivers and neurochemical rewards activated, a more balanced, whole brain, and accurate response, one that integrates both the big picture, thank you right hemisphere, and our highest level thinking, thank you prefrontal cortex, becomes available. Lest you think switching to system two is an arduous or time-consuming process, the difference between a system one reaction 
and a System 2 response generally takes about one second, which, interestingly, is approximately the measure of one inhalation of breath. In one second, one inhalation, a few pretty incredible things happen in your brain. The networks of the brain have the opportunity to evaluate the reaction from the presumably left hemisphere and test it against a wider system of connections and learning, coming up with a different consideration that lands much more like a system two response. Next, the areas of the brain that generally consume the most energy and oxygen get a little boost of the very stuff that lets them work their magic. That one second gives us a chance to connect with a mindset, a higher intention, that allows us to show up as the self we most long to be in the world. Feel that sense of self you most want to be, and you're getting a taste of presence. Presence is what happens when we slow down enough for our values to shape our thoughts and all that happens next. Values are the foundational beliefs or themes we hold most precious in our vision for our lives and for the world. Left to itself, System 1 thinking moves too fast to consider those bigger picture priorities or to weave them into what we think or do. That shifts when we remember the mindsets that reflect our values the intentions that help direct the skills and practices that shape our brain sets, which shape everything, actually, we experience in life. Presence is what happens when we stay curious for a moment, aware and mindful of whatever is arising in response to both what's coming up from the outside world, be it a question or something we see, an unexpected or welcome interruption, the stuff happening in traffic or with our co-workers, whatever, and our interior world, our awareness of the feelings and emotions that matter to us most. Cultivating that awareness is the heart of presence and of appropriate response. Presence is a practice, a way of being, that is cultivated through simple human things like remembering to stay curious, to pay attention to what's happening inside the emotional and intuitive feelings that arise in the mind and the body, and to map that to whatever is happening on the outside. Best-selling author and political bridge builder, Monica Guzman, models that thoughtful, curious presence in her book, I Never Thought of It That Way, and also in the conversation we shared on this podcast two episodes back. You'll see the art of presence in action if you have time to tune into that. You'll also sense it in yourself if you take one moment, even one breath, to check in on what comes up for you as you listen to these words about presence. At any point in your listening, did you judge, resist, eye-roll, or disagree? If so, absolutely awesome, amazing, your brain gave you a sense of the power of System 1 thinking. We absolutely need the reactive, categorizing and classifying, judging and relatively binary thought ways of that type of thinking 
for many important things in our lives. Yet if at any point you pause for a moment to say, hmm, or if you felt like something seemed familiar to you, even if you'd never really heard it put into words, if you wanted to ask a question, even something like, say more about that, or maybe even if you said, I never thought of it that way. Ah, also awesome, very awesome. You tapped into a sense of System 2 thinking and maybe even had a glimpse of presence, a power and a practice available to all of us. By the way, not all thought needs to be System 2. Some thinking is absolutely fine moving fast, not worth the additional energy and effort needed to slow it down. What's important to remember, though, is that we're not often reminded that there can be two ways of thinking, one fast, effortless, and reactionary, one more thoughtful, big-picture, and values-aligned, in the messages we get from the outside world. And you could read a book about that, or you could take a moment right now to sense your own awareness of the two modes, and maybe bring to mind a situation in your life where more reflective, slower thinking might have produced a better outcome than the first reaction, the brain, left to itself, generated. Sometimes I hear people say things like, quote, they need to be more present, unquote, as if it is a future chapter, shift, or state. I'll borrow from a wonderful Spanish adage, not exactly a koan, although every bit is wise. It goes like this, No hay camino al paz. Paz es el camino. And now, in a more authentic voice, No hay camino al paz. Paz es el camino. Translated, that means there is no road to peace. Peace is the road. I love that saying, and it applies astonishingly well to the powerful, always ready practice of presence. There is no path to presence. Presence is the path. Find ways to practice mindfully your higher, bigger picture, more intentional System 2 path. Breathe in to that power. Feel good, deep within yourself, even for starting small. 5% changes, after all, are enough to change everything. Think about that. Can you imagine what is possible? Today's practice goes out with thanks to Carrie, who so sincerely asked the question, what is presence? I'm always grateful for inquiries that help me challenge my own thinking and put into words the values I continue to learn from. You are always invited to share your own questions or recommendations. All it takes is an email to ellen at thebrainandbeyond.com. Thank you for listening.